afraid of a global nuclear disaster? Or the likes of a Star Wars cosmic conflict? Are we on a countdown to the Battle of Armageddon? What does the future hold for our world? Have you tried to understand the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation, only to be confused by all the symbols? These and many other amazing questions will be answered through this prophecy seminar. Yes, you can understand the books of Daniel and Revelation, and in the process, get to know God in a deeper way. Welcome to Prophecy Seminar, the book of Daniel. Here is your host, Pastor David Price. Well, good evening, friends. I'd like to welcome you to tonight's lesson number 11, Prophecy Seminar lesson number 11. It's just great to be together again. And uh, I just want to ask you to join me in a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you tonight for how precious your word is. We also know that we cannot open your word and understand it without the powerful presence, guidance and leading of your amazing Holy Spirit. That's what we ask for during this prophecy seminar session, lesson number 11, and I ask it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Friends, as we begin our lesson tonight, before we begin on the front page, I want to remind you just a little recap on last week. Last week, we looked at can the little horn of Daniel 7.25 actually change God's law? And so I just want to remind you that you are in an amazing battle. Two people in this universe are trying to battle over your life. You are the focus of that. And so point number one is the great controversy between Jesus Christ and his great adversary, Satan, is over you and whether you are going to be involved in worship and obedience to the God of heaven or whether you're going to be involved in worship and obedience to the dark side. The second point that we raised last week is the need of a daily personal relationship with Jesus. I love uh, Nathan Green's artwork here, one of our great artists in America, and it shows us that we need to connect with Jesus wherever we are, don't we? Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in the shopping center, and ask God for divine appointments to witness to other people. Well, last week we discovered that the Ten Commandment law has not been done away with. And so we have learned that the Ten Commandment law is still in effect. And God asks us to pay special attention to that Ten Commandment law. For those of you who've done your lesson, I want you to sit back and relax. Please enjoy the visual feed on the screen. The rest of you, I'm starting on page number one. We're in lesson 11. It's entitled, as you can see on the screen, how the little horn power changed God's law. Changing God's law is unthinkable. And yet amazingly, Daniel predicted that this would be attempted by the church in its apostasy or in its falling away from the truth. In the last lesson, we saw that the Ten Commandments are the eternal reflection of the character of God and what a beautiful reflection they are. The Ten Commandments cannot be altered without changing God's character. But praise God, as you see on the screen, our God is a rock and he is unchangeable. He is dependable. Even though 
the little horn power would think to change God's law, the inescapable fact remains that God has not changed it. In this lesson, we will uncover the shocking story of the little horn's attempt to change the times and the law. Well, I always have five theme questions based on the lesson for you tonight. Number one, what does the little horn power try and change? Number two, which commandments involve time or times? Number three, which law or laws in the 10 were changed? Number four, which day is the seventh day Sabbath? And number five, why is God's fourth commandment in the 10 commandments so important? Well, our first heading halfway down our lesson guide in page two, and thank you so much for joining us in this session number 11, is entitled The Commandment That Helps Establish a Relationship. Let's go to question one. What is it that the little horn power attempts to change? And we're going back to Daniel 7 and verse 25. He, the little horn power, shall speak pompous or great words, blasphemous words, as we learned in lesson 10 last time, against the Most High God. He shall persecute or wear out the saints of the Most High and shall intend or think to change God's times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. So friends, in this verse, the King James Version, often called the authorised version, says that the New King James says that little horn power intends to change God's law. The King James says he thinks he can change God's times and his laws. But we know that those laws are not changed in heaven. So what, it is, what is it that the little horn power attempts to change? He shall intend or think he can change God's times and laws. The note says, notice that the little horn is not just attempting to change the law, but the times and the law. Friends, can I have your attention now on the screen? I want to show you and, and lead you in a discussion and an explanation of the Ten Commandments originally given by God, as you can see there on the left-hand side of your screen. As printed in the Bible from Exodus 23 to 17, there are the Ten Commandments. On the right-hand side of the Ten Commandments is commonly abbreviated in the Roman Catholic Catechism. And they there have a verse in Daniel 7.25. How did they actually translate the verse? The Church of Rome translates Daniel 7.25 in the Douay, or Catholic version, he shall think himself able to change times and laws. Well, that's very interesting, isn't it, if you think of the implications of that. All right, so what has, what changes have been made by the Church of Rome? And let us find out how God's law has actually been altered. So when we look at commandment number two in the 10 in the Bible, it says, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy under thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Friends, there's a lot of detail in that commandment. I think that could be the biggest commandment. So when we go across to the Ten Commandments in the Roman Catholic Catechism, we find that commandment two is 
missing. It's completely been cut out of the 10. Why is that? Well, we're going to explain that to you in a moment. Let's now have a look at another commandment. Let's have a look at commandment three. This is to do with honouring God's name. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. What has Rome done with that? They've changed it to thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So they've cut it down. Then in the fourth commandment, we have remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labour and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor the cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. We go across, as we have just read, commandment four and we look for commandment four over there and commandment four has become their commandment three and so it says just remember thou keep holy the sabbath day but if someone was to read that they'd be asking well which day is the sabbath day because it's been stripped of all its identifiers the ten commandments we just read spoke about six days of work but the seventh day is the sabbath of the lord thy god so friends in the Ten Commandments in the Roman Catholic Catechism, the seventh day is missing. And the seventh, the seventh day, Sabbath commandment number four has to do with God's times. And so four laws are being tampered with because when we go to uh, commandment number 10 and we look across to see what Rome's done with that, we find that commandment 10 has been split into two to commandment nine. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife in commandment 10. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Where those two are joined in commandment 10 in the 10 commandments. Let's read it. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And so, friends, you can see that the little horn power has actually changed God's times. That is the Sabbath commandment, and also God's laws. So Rome's done away with the second commandment. We might ask, why has Rome done that? This is the amazing church of St. Paul outside the walls in Rome. I have been there in 2003. It is such an amazing church. You can see that the churches of Rome are full of statues, as you can see inside this amazing church with its ornate decorations there are two statues two images down the front so friends rome has said they don't need the second commandment about not worshiping graven images secondly in terms of changing god's times and laws they shortened the fourth commandment from 94 words to seven or eight words and then thirdly as i said they've divided the tenth commandment into two commandments so the question is did the little horn power think or intend to change God's times and God's law, I have just showed you exactly how the Church of Rome has changed, altered, and made um, changes to God's Ten Commandment law. Would you join me back on page two and question two? So which of the Ten Commandments of the law deals with time? We go to Exodus 28 to 11, and I'm going to read to you the fourth commandment. God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. That's an old English word which means sanctified. Question two, which of the Ten Commandments in the law deal with time? Only one, only one of the ten, and that's number four, to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Let me share with you the note. Only the fourth commandment in which God commands people to keep the Sabbath day holy deals with time. The purpose of the Sabbath, as Lesson 10 revealed, is to give God and his people time to get better acquainted. People need to spend time every day with God in Bible study and prayer. If a deep personal relationship with God is going to be formed, God says we need one day a week to spend in contemplation of God and his blessings to us. It is like a marriage. If a husband and wife spend time together, some time together each day, they will develop a relationship. But their marriage and their relationship will never be as deep as it would be if they took an additional day each week to be together. The only way we can get to know someone is to spend time with them. And the only way we can get to know God is to spend quality time with him. The fourth commandment performs a special function because it ties time in with our relationship with God. Anyone, if anyone obeys the fourth commandment as God intended and builds a solid relationship with God, there'll be little question about that person keeping the rest of the commandments. It is not surprising then that Satan has attacked this commandment he well knows that if he can destroy a person's relationship with God, that person will end up serving Satan. No wonder God has warned us against this power that would think to change the times in the law, the one commandment that ties time to our relationship with God. Let's have a look at the second heading on the page. We're at the top of page three. It's entitled The Seventh Day in Question 3. Which day is God specified to be set aside as the special day in which God and his people build a solid relationship together? But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, daughter, male servant, female servant, cattle, stranger who is within your gates. So God is very clearly identified. It's the seventh day of the week. The seventh day is the Sabbath, the rest day of the Lord. Notice that God has set aside a specific day, the seventh day, as a special time to get better acquainted with his people. Friends, I've got a question for you on the screen. Here it is. What do you think is the main purpose of the fourth commandment? I guess there could be very many answers to this question and they might all be right. But I was thinking that the purpose of the fourth commandment is not to bless God, although he is blessed by worship but it's for us to build a strong or stronger relationship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you tonight, do you have that strong relationship with God right now? I believe there's some people watching this program, this telecast, who will say, I don't have it yet, but I want, I want it. Why not? Why shouldn't I have that strong relationship with God? 
God bless you if you make that decision. And may God bless you as you study his word more every day and as you pray more and are drawn into that beautiful relationship which culminates in the Sabbath. Question four says, well, which day is the seventh day? The answer, of course, even uh, secular people know that, is Saturday. Saturday is the seventh day. The note says, to discover which is the seventh day, one only has to take a quick look at the calendar to see that the seventh day is the day we commonly call Saturday, not Sunday. Now, if you have a look on the screen, the dictionary definition says seventh day, Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Now, I want to tell you that the days of the week have interesting names. Have a look on the screen. This is not in the lesson. Some extras for you. So Sunday in the Latin is de solus, day of the, uh, the sun. And in the Anglo-Saxon, it's called Sunday. This is all to do with the worship of um, gods and heavenly beings. Monday was de luna from luna. And so it was the worship of the moon's day. Moon's day became Monday. Tuesday was D Martis and was Tuesday or Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday was D Mercury, Woden's Day, from which we get Wednesday. Thursday was D Jovis, Thor's Day. And that's how we get Thor's Day or Thursday. And Friday was D's Venerous or Frigga's Day. And then Saturday was D's Saturni or Saturn's Day. So that's where the names for the days of the week came. They were all to do with worshipping pagan gods and the gods of heaven. So friends, in terms of our appointment with God, we used to have calendars that would show us that the seventh day of the week was Saturday. But friends, today we don't. Why? Most European calendars list Monday as the first day of the week. This change was made in the 50s and 60s. Calendars before this time accurately place Saturday as the seventh day and Sunday as the first day of the week. So now we have these business and home calendars. And the other day I had a quick glance at the calendar, believing it was a Sunday to Saturday calendar and got the date completely wrong that I passed on to someone. And I said to Lynn, we have got a business calendar hanging on the wall and it's messing me around on the dates. We've got to change that. So this calendar, the business calendar, starts the business um, week on Monday, as, as you would. And of course, that just so happens that the seventh day of the week happens to be Sunday. It's a very subtle change and came in in Europe. So you can probably work out how that came in probably through the EU. Friends, the first day of the week or Sunday is our appointment with man. But we have been asked by God in the Ten Commandments, in the Fourth Commandment, to keep our appointment with who? We've been asked to keep our appointment with God. Question five is an interesting one. Has there been any change in the calendar that has affected the weekly cycle? Let me share with you the note, then I'm going to give you some extra detail. Since the time of Christ, there's only been one major change in the calendar. This was the switch from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar in 1582. The Julian calendar had allowed too many leap years. As a result, the calendar was out of kilter with the solar system. In order to rectify it, 10 days were dropped from the calendar in October of 1582. Even though 10 days were dropped from the calendar, the weekly cycle was not changed at all. The order of the days of the week remained the same. That's interesting, isn't it? They remained the same. So have a look on the screen. So friends, October up to October 4, 1582, there'd been a calendar called the Julian calendar. And uh, history tells us that Julius Caesar 
is responsible. They attribute the calendar to him from 45 BC. So his calendar was used up to the 4th. But then, instead of being Friday the 5th of October 1582, it jumped to 15th of October because 10 days were dropped to recalibrate the calendar. And this was changed under the Council of Trent by the Roman Catholic Church through Pope Gregory the 13th. And so since the 15th of October 1582, we haven't been on the Julian calendar. We have been on the what? That's right. We've been on the Gregorian calendar. So friends, I'm asking you, look at the screen. Has there been any change in the order of the days of the week? Um, absolutely not. They remain the same. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and there's our answer. There's been no change in the order of the weekly days. Let me give a little bit extra. So someone wrote to the US Naval Observatory in Washington, DC a long time ago. The letter you can see here is the 12th of March, 1932. And they're answering the letter and it's asking about the days of the week. Have they changed? Dear Sir, your letter of 25th of February, 1932, containing questions on the continuity of the weekly cycle is at hand. As to question one, I can only state that in connection with the proposed simplification of the calendar, we have had occasion to investigate the results of the works of specialists in chronology and have never found one of them that has ever had the slightest doubt about the continuity of the weekly cycle since long before the Christian era. And as to your question too, there's been no change in our calendar in past centuries that affected in any way the cycle of the week. Well, friends, I'm going to ask now, has the original Sabbath been lost? You know, what's the story? Have a look on the screen on the left. Event number one then is the Sabbath given at creation. Event number two is the manna. We're going to speak about the manna tonight and how it was a test. That's Exodus 16. Uh, event number three, you can see is Mount Sinai. That's the giving of the Ten Commandment law. Remember, the Sabbath was given in Genesis 2 to uh, the first man and the first woman. So the restating of the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments was nothing new, but it was restating it for all those who'd come out of Egypt and had forgotten all of God's Ten Commandments. Item number four, just before you can see the cross there, is a synagogue and says that Jesus, as his, wast, as his custom was, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. I'm quoting Luke 4.16. The next one, number five at the cross, is Luke 23.54 to 56. The women who followed Jesus' body from the cross to the tomb went home. They got the spices and ointments together, but something happened the sun set before they could get the preparation ready. And it's interesting they chose not to go and anoint the Lord's body because the Sabbath drew near. Item number six, as you can see on the bottom right-hand side of the page, is Matthew 28, 1 to 7. It says at the end of the Sabbath, it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. We're going to look at that next week. And so once again, the Sabbath is mentioned as coming before the first day of the week. Item number seven, just before that calendar in the middle, just after the cross, is Acts 13, where Paul kept a whole stack of Sabbaths, I believe 84 Sabbaths he was keeping in the New Testament. Well, item number eight is just what we've discussed, the change of the calendar there in 1582. Days of the week didn't change, but the numbers were one, two, three, four, and then 15, 16, 17, and onwards. So the days of the week were not interfered with or changed, even though the dates were changed, the days were not changed. I think that's very clear. Number nine is our day. The Easter weekend is a conclusive check. 
on the uh, on the Sabbath. And then finally, we're going to look up tonight Isaiah 66, 22, 23, and we're going to ask the question, is the Sabbath only to be kept here on earth or is the Sabbath going to be kept in eternity? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? I'm also going to ask you now, has time been lost? And I'd like to quote from this book, Has Time Been Lost? Because it's a fascinating little book. It actually says here that time hasn't been lost because we have the proof of historical records, the proof of the calendar, the proof of the Jewish peoples. They never lost track of the Sabbath, as you can imagine. The proof from martyrs of the true church. Do you think they would have died as Sabbath keepers in the Colosseum under the Roman emperors standing for God's truth? If the Sabbath was a myth and a hoax and had been lost, then we have the proof of reason. Number six, we have the testimony of astronomers. And finally, we have the Church of Rome's continual observance of Sunday. Quoting from this book again, I want to quote Professor D. Edgenitis, former director of the Observatory of Athens. Quoting him, he said, the continuity of the week has crossed the centuries and all known calendars still intact. He said the continuity of the week, the days of the week, is still intact. It hasn't been changed. We're answering question five. Has there been any change in the calendar that has affected the weekly cycle, the days of the week? The answer is no. Please join me at the top of page four. What other evidences are there that the day of the week called Saturday is the same as the biblical seventh Sabbath? That's a good question. You might like to have a look on the screen. In 105 languages in use today, the word for Saturday has Sabbath as its root meaning. For example, the Latin sabbatum, the Greek sabaton, the Russian sobota, the Italian sabato, the Spanish sabado. In other words, in over 105 languages of the earth today, the word currently used for Saturday basically means Shabbat, Sabbath, rest day. If you have a look at the bottom of the page, look at Turkey. The word Yom is the Hebrew word for day. So that's just simply Yom Esab is just the day of the Sabbath. All these words mean Sabbath. Isn't that fascinating? Part B of question six, the history of the Jews who've consistently kept the Sabbath from the Exodus event and still keep the Sabbath on Saturday today indicates clearly which is the seventh day. During the Exodus event, God, by a double miracle of the manna, clearly revealed which was the seventh day. On every day, a certain portion of manna would fall. There was always enough for everyone every day, but they were not to keep excess for the next day. I'm going to pause here and say, why not? Friends, if you know Exodus 16, they were told by God it would ferment via Moses and become putrid. They were not to keep it overnight. Let's go to Exodus 16, 31, Living Bible. It's on the screen. And the food became known as manna. The word manna actually means, well, what is it? What a good name. And then we get a description of this heavenly bread, this heavenly food. It was white, like coriander seed and flat and tasted like honey bread. It sounds absolutely delicious. Back into the note, however, on Friday, a double portion of manna fell and people had enough for two days. Whereas on Saturday, no manna fell. For 40 years, God performed this double miracle every week to thoroughly establish which day was the seventh day. The Jews have kept the same seventh day until 
this present time. Friends, have a look on the screen. I want to share with you some uh, texts that are not in the lesson. I'm taking you into Exodus 16.4 to show you how God had to retrain his people in keeping his commandments. Exodus 16.4 on the screen. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. Why did God do that? Well, if you've ever been out in the desert, you'll know that there's virtually hardly anything to eat. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day of what? A gathering the bread from heaven. That I may what? God says through Moses that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Isn't that interesting? God's interested whether people actually follow what he says. Why is he interested in that? Friends, can I tell you tonight that he's trying to get you ready for heaven? And he's not going to take thieves and criminals and sinners to heaven. So he's testing people to see if they have a heart for God and if their heart is in tune with heaven. Exodus 16.5, And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. So on the sixth day, the preparation day, they gathered twice as much manna. Exodus 16.6, Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, at evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. So they gathered it, the manna, every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. Friends, isn't it amazing that the God of heaven does not litter the landscape with junk? He makes a bread from heaven that's absolutely delicious, that forms overnight. But when the sun becomes hot, if the people haven't gone out and got it, it melts away. Surely this is the first biodegradable product ever made and shows us that God intended to have a sustainable planet, a sustainable creation and a sustainable environment. In Exodus 16.22, And so it was on the sixth day that they, the children of Israel, they gathered twice as much bread. Two omers just means two measures for each person. And all the rulers of the congregation came and they told Moses what was going on. Then Moses said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So on the preparation day, they made extra food for the Sabbath so they wouldn't have to be cooking and preparing food on the Sabbath. 16.25 of Exodus. Then Moses said, eat that today for today is a Sabbath, a Shabbat, a rest day to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. So friends, do you think the children of Israel are going to obey this and not go out and look for manna on the Sabbath? <laughs> All right, well, let's have a look. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. And what did the people do? Well, some of the people just had to go out and check that there was no spare manna, manna bread laying out in the desert. What did God think about this in Exodus 16, 28? And the Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Friends, the reason why I've shared this with you tonight is some people have said to me, you know what? Do you really think that God minds if the little horn power, if the Church of Rome has made a small change to the commandments? Well, that's small in their eyes. 
And so, friends, this is the answer to that question. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you, the children of Israel, refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Why did God say that? Why did God give the manna to Israel? He brought them back out of Egypt. They had lost the ten laws. He gives it to them again at Sinai. That I may what? Friends, the Sabbath is a what day? I can hear you saying it. It's a test day. Whether they will walk, whether they will keep, whether they will obey my law or not. We finish off the chapter with this. See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day, the preparation day, bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place on the Sabbath. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day looking for manna. So eventually, Exodus 16.30, the people rested on the seventh day. Friends, I've got a little uh, rhyme that helps me remember parts of the Sabbath that are important. The Sabbath is God's rest day. Number two, it's God's only blessed day. Number three, we just learned it's his test day. And number four, it's therefore the best day. Friends, it's the rest day and the blessed day in Genesis um, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, if you're wanting a text for those. And then number 3, God's test day I've just shared with you is Exodus chapter 16. And I'm suggesting that it's God's best day. We're on question 7, halfway down page 4. Thank you for joining us tonight. What further biblical evidence is there that the seventh day is Saturday? Well, we're looking at part A. Did Jesus die on Good Friday? We're going to Mark 15, 42. Mark writes, Now the evening had come. That means the sun had set. Because it was the preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. Friends, we know from history that Jesus died on Good Friday. The day that he died is called in Scripture the day before the Sabbath, according to Mark 15, 42. The preparation day is always the day before the Sabbath. Question 7b, what further evidence is there that the seventh day is Saturday? The next day was the Sabbath after the preparation day. Preparation day always followed by the Sabbath. So the disciples rested on the something according to the commandment. We go to Luke 23. So Jesus' body has been taken off the cross. It's been put in the tomb. It's been guarded by Roman soldiers. Then they, the women who were um, Last at the cross and first at the tomb, they then returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils. But it's late on Friday afternoon, Friday evening, and the sun sets. And do they go and anoint Jesus' body? Friends, this is remarkable, isn't it? They don't go and anoint Jesus' body. It says they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Thank God I wasn't there. I would have said to them, you know what? Jesus' body is more important than the old Sabbath. Don't worry about the Sabbath. Let's just go and anoint his body. But that would have been disobeying the fourth commandment. That would have been wrong. Then they, the women, returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So there's more evidence that the seventh day is actually Saturday, following Good Friday, the crucifixion day. What further evidence is there that the seventh day is Saturday? There's um, part C of question seven. We are to look at Mark 16, 1, that Jesus rose on Sunday, the first day of the week. The Bible says the day he rose was the something, the Sabbath. 
Mark 16, 1 and 2. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, I think I quoted this to you earlier, didn't I? In the, has the Sabbath been lost? Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, here's the women at the cross, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome. Remember, Jesus' mother was there also. So there were three Marys, but this mentions Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome. They brought spices that they might come and anoint him. But remember, the Sabbath stopped them. So very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb. They were coming to anoint him. They'd kept the Sabbath. Friends, a very important point there. The Sabbath is still in effect after Jesus dies. Many faiths tell you that the Sabbath was done away with at the cross. But the New Testament knows nothing of it. So what's our answer? Following the Sabbath came Sunday. Jesus rose on Sunday, the first day of the week. The Bible says that the day he rose was the day after the Sabbath, according to Mark 16.1. This is not in your lessons, but I want to remind you that Jesus Christ rested after creating the world. Colossians 1.16 says he was the creator, that he was the God of the Old Testament. He was the creator of the world. And there he was. He married Adam and Eve in the garden because at the end of Genesis 2, it said that uh, a man was to leave his parents and cleave under his wife. And that was referring to Adam. So if you've got a wife, you have been married. Friends, so Jesus rested after creating the world. And then he rests after recreating mankind on the cross. Where does he rest? He rests on the Sabbath in the Garden of Eden. But he also rests on the Sabbath in the Garden tomb. He rests after recreating mankind on the cross. He recreates us for salvation and redemption in his blood. I'm wondering if any of you have been to the garden tomb. I've been really blessed to be there um, twice, and it's just a beautiful, serene place right there in Jerusalem, an absolutely beautiful spot. You'll notice there's no stone there. I think that's to stop people either stealing it or uh, injuring themselves trying to move it. I'm going to read the note under question seven. The Bible clearly indicates that the biblical Sabbath was the day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Since Saturday is the only day in between, the inescapable conclusion is that the biblical seventh day Sabbath is actually Saturday. I'd like you to have a look on the screen. I'd like to answer an objection that's often raised. So people say to me, well, how do we know that Saturday is really the Sabbath and it was in ancient times? Well, let me summarize what we've learned. We've learned the preparation day was the crucifixion day. Now, the evening had come because it was the preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. Then the next day, it says they rested on the Sabbath. I'm quoting to you Luke 23, 54 to 56. So they rested on the Sabbath. And then on the first day of the week, the women went down to the tomb to anoint his body after the Sabbath had finished. So we know the preparation day was Good Friday, the day of the crucifixion. Historically, we know that very clearly. We know the preparation day was always the day before the Sabbath. We know the first day of the week, Jesus was resurrected on Resurrection Sunday, the first day of the week. So then people say, well, how can we know which day is the Sabbath? And I say, well, yeah, it's a pretty tough one, isn't it? It's the day biblically that falls between Friday and Sunday. Anybody have an idea which day that might be? And so, friends, there is our answer. The only day that can ever fall before between Friday and Sunday would have to be Saturday. And so we can be totally assured tonight that that is the correct original day of God's seventh day Sabbath.
Well, we're at the bottom of page four and we're heading into our next heading, the change of the Sabbath. What happened and who changed it? Since the Sabbath is very clear that the original biblical Sabbath was on Saturday, the seventh day of the week, it might well be asked, what do most Christians today observe Sunday, the first day of the week? And that's a good question. Somehow, somewhere, a change has come about. God says that he never changes and that his law never changes. He embodies the seventh day Sabbath in his holy law. So we have to ask the question, who then changed it? Question eight, who did Daniel declare would think to change the times and the laws? I think I can hear you calling out the answer. So the little horn power would speak great blasphemous words against the Most High, persecute the saints of the Most High. This identifies who he is, and we did this in lesson number nine. And this power would think or intend to change God's time and law. The King James says to think to change God's times and laws. It applies to the Ten Commandment law and the Ten Commandment laws. Who did it? The little horn power. The Bible predicted that the little horn, the papacy, would attempt to change the times and the law. The Sabbath is the only commandment in the law dealing with time. An attempt to change has been made in the time for the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Could it be that the papal power is the very one who has attempted to change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday? For the amazing story of how the papal power attempted to change the Sabbath from Sunday, then please see Exhibit 1. So we're about to go to that green Exhibit 1 in your lesson guides. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Have a look on the screen. I've got a number of questions we need to ask the Church of Rome. These are not in your lesson please direct your attention to the screen for some extra material. Friends, you remember that this is Pope John Paul II, a very popular pope. He wrote an encyclical, as all the popes do, special pastoral and theological letters to the saints. His apostolic letter was called Dies Domine. And if you remember the days of the week, it just means the day of the Lord. Domini is the name for Lord. So his encyclical, his letter was promoting the day of the sun, Sunday. It was from the Holy Father, John Paul II, to the bishops, the clergy, and the faithful of the church on keeping the Lord's Day holy. That is the first day of the week. Now, my question tonight is, if we're going to establish that Rome changed the day, we'd better ask Rome, and we need to get evidence from them that they changed the day. And I want to tell you tonight, the amazing thing is, Rome is very, very honest. So as we go to the Catholic Encyclopedia, we're going to go to their sources and ask them, to substantiate, did they change the day from the biblical Sabbath to the man-made first day of the week, which has no authorization in scripture? I'm taking you into the Catholic Encyclopedia. We're going to volume four and page 153 for a, from a totally Catholic source. Quote, the church, meaning the church of Rome, after changing the day of rest from the Jewish Sabbath. Friends, I have to pause there and just stop for a moment. Friends, the Sabbath in Genesis 2 was given to a man and a woman. I think you know their names, Adam and Eve. I don't remember any Jews being in the Garden of Eden. In fact, I don't remember any Jews turning up till Genesis 11 with um, Abram and then Abraham in Genesis 18. So friends, for 2000 years, there's no Jews. So this description of the Sabbath only applying to Jews is a misnomer. It's incorrect. I think it's misleading. Let me read the quote again. The church, after changing the day of rest from the Jewish Sabbath or seventh day of the week 
to the first, made the third commandment, I'll pause there, which is the fourth commandment in the 10, but it is the third commandment, the Sabbath one in their commandments. They made the third commandment refer to Sunday as the day to be kept holy as the Lord's day. So what did they do? The church, after changing the day of rest from the Jewish Sabbath or the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week, made the third commandment refer to Sunday as the day to be kept holy as the Lord's day. Now, how could they do that? Well, remember, they stripped commandment number three, which was really the Ten Commandment, commandment number four. They stripped it of its identifier. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. So in the Roman Catholic Catechism, then in that there's no identifier for which day is the Sabbath day. So that's how they could do it. Here's another quote in their book, Plain Talk About the Protestantism of Today, page 213. They say, the Church of Rome says, the observance of Sunday by the Protestants. Now, some of you listening tonight might ask, what is a Protestant? Well, I want to tell you the Protestants were probably started by Martin Luther. And of course, those who broke away from the Church of Rome, like the Church of England under King Henry VIII, we won't go into his life story and all his wives, but he wanted to marry more than one wife. So he actually broke away from the Church of Rome. And so Rome says the observance of Sunday by the Protestants, that's people who protest against the Church of Rome and the churches who break away, they say is a homage or an honour they pay the other churches in spite of themselves to the authority of the Catholic Church. Friends, what they're actually saying is that when the churches broke away, they kept worshipping on the first day of the week. That is the day of the sun, Sunday. And Rome's saying, well, you broke away from us. Why aren't you keeping the seventh day biblical Sabbath? You broke away from us, but you're still keeping Rome's day. That's a significant point, isn't it? They were still keeping Rome's day, even though they'd broken away. Love this quote from Cardinal James Givens, page 561 of their book, Faith of Our Fathers. This is a devastating statement. You may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You will not, what? You will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. Rome tells us very clearly, if you want to go in the Bible and try to find that the Bible changed the day, you will fail. There's not a single line saying that Sunday is a holy or sanctified day in Scripture. Let's go on. Cardinal James Gibbons writes, the Scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday. I know this quote off by heart. And the next sentence, the very next sentence says, which is a day that we never keep. So Cardinal James Gibbons very clearly says the Church of Rome do not uh, keep the Seventh-day Sabbath. They don't need to. They changed it. My final quote tonight from Rome to find out if they've changed the day and they're very proud of it is the Roman Catholic record, September 1, 1923. The Roman Catholic record is actually their church paper or was the name of their church paper. Don't you think that's an interesting name, the Catholic record? The quote says, Sunday is our mark of authority. Can I just ask you to burn that word into your brain? Yeah, burn that mark, burn that, that word mark into your forehead. Sunday is our mark of authority. The church is above the Bible 
And this transference of Sabbath observance is proof of that fact. Friends, end of quote, how could the Church of Rome say that very easily? Do you remember I told you in lesson number nine that the Church said there were two divine streams coming down from the throne of God? One was Holy Scripture. The other one was divine tradition. And they said of the two, we find divine tradition to be the safest. So they believe that their tradition is safer to follow than the Bible. Therefore, because tradition is more important than the Bible, they don't have to follow the Bible and they can change. The Pope has the power. They have the power to change whatever is in the Bible. So friends, tonight after that little survey, I think we've established very clearly that the Church of Rome are very proud that they have changed the seventh day Sabbath into the first day. And so that's why the majority of people today who are Christians worship on the first day of the week, not the seventh day of the week. I'm asking you tonight, what's going to be your guide? Are you going to stick with God's word and be faithful to him? Or are you going to go with the laws that men write and rewrite and change from time to time? Tonight we are going to the exhibit. We don't have time to read this. So I'm not going to read it to you tonight. So I've made a 19 point summary. I hope you can keep up with me. There's pretty much no point um, even looking at that. We're going to go at 100 miles an hour. If you haven't read it, can I ask that you make sure that you read it um, very soon in the next day or so. And don't forget, it's all the historical material that you need to know on how the Sabbath was changed. Well, point number one on that piece of paper is the very first sentence, and that is that God does not change. We know that from Malachi 3.6. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. The second point is his law does not change. And we know that from the verses I shared with you a week ago. It says, my law or my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. And David wrote, forever, O Lord, thy word, the word of God, the law of God is settled in heaven and no one can change it. The third point is, we ask the question, did Jesus change the Sabbath? Well, let's ask him. We go to Luke 4.16, and Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So friends, he was keeping the seventh day Sabbath all his life. Then for those who said that the law was done away with at the cross, he said in Matthew 5.17, think not that I'm come to destroy the law, meaning the Ten Commandment law, all the prophets, I'm not come to destroy it, but to fulfill it, to live it out. That's what I've come to do. So friends, Jesus was magnifying and highlighting the law. You don't clean up an old shed if you're going to burn it down, do you? So Jesus highlights the law and twice he says here, think not that I'm come to destroy the law. He said, I'm not come to destroy it, but to fill it full of meaning and live it out. God doesn't change. His law doesn't change. Jesus didn't change the Sabbath. Let's ask the question, did the apostles change the Sabbath? Well, if the Sabbath was changed, Paul, the apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, he doesn't know anything about it at all. In Acts 20, 27, he says, for I have not shunned to declare unto you how much of the counsel of God. He said, I've given you all the counsel of God. And in terms of the change of the Sabbath, he was still keeping it. And so he didn't know of any change of the Sabbath. God doesn't change. His law didn't change. Jesus didn't change it. The apostles didn't change it. Friends, did the New Testament change the Sabbath? Let's have a look at Acts 17 and Acts 18. This is the Jewish synagogue in 51 AD in Thessalonica, Greece. 
And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures in Acts 17 and verse 2. It says he continued there a year and six months. That's, um, yeah, a year and a half where he was keeping the Sabbath, teaching the word of God among them. He was actually worshipping with Jews and Gentiles. He was actually teaching non-Jews to keep the Sabbath. If the law had been done away after the cross, the Ten Commandment law, there's no way Paul would have been doing that. So the first page of the exhibit says that God doesn't change. His law doesn't change. Jesus didn't change the Sabbath. The apostles didn't change the Sabbath. The New Testament didn't change the Sabbath. But Paul did predict there would be an apostasis. The word is apostasy, to turn away, to fall away from the truth. How would that happen? Let me share with you Acts 20, 29 and 30. He said, for I know that after my departing, after he would die, that grievous wolves would enter in among you into the Christian church, not sparing the flock. Verse 30, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Friends, Paul tells us about two attacks on the early Christian church, an internal attack, also of your own selves men shall arise, speaking perverse things. But later there would be an external attack. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4, let no man therefore deceive you by any means. For that day, what day? The second coming. For that day shall not come except there comes a apostasis, same word, a falling away first from the truth. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. What's the son of perdition? That's another name for hell. Whoever this is, this man of sin is the son of hell. Verse 4 who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Friends, if you know what, want to know the identity of that man of sin, we're going to cover that in a future lesson. Stay tuned. My seventh point is based on the um, attempt to change the Sabbath to Sunday in the exhibit, exhibit one. Sunday keeping was at first kept as an addition to Sabbath keeping. So if you want to do away with something, you bring something alongside and override it, and then you do away with that which you don't want to keep. Point number eight, both days were kept for centuries. Nine, Rome made the Sabbath into a gloomy day of fasting and surprise, surprise, Sunday became a joy of a day of joy and feasting. So Sabbath, you know, was tied in with the Jews who kept to themselves. Um, they had their Jewish food laws. And of course they were unpopular because they didn't mix. They didn't allow into marriage. So the Sabbath became a gloomy day of fasting. And of course they made Sunday the first day of the week, the pagan day of worship, a day of joy and feasting. Point 11, Rome downgraded the Sabbath and stopped keeping it around 400 years after Jesus Christ. Friends, I'm summarizing the exhibit. I'm not proving it. Point number 12, true Sabbath keeping was maintained for over 600 years after the birth of Jesus Christ. That's amazing, isn't it? Rome claims that the change of the biblical Sabbath is a mark of her power. Interesting claim. 14, the earliest reason for Sunday keeping was very strong anti-Jewish feelings in Rome. People got sick of the Jews. They turned away from the Jews. And of course, from then, they turned away also from what they thought was a Jewish Sabbath, a Jewish day of worship. 15, Gnostic and Platonic pagan philosophies were gaining control of Christianity and brought in worship on the day of the sun. As I said before, the pagan day of worship was the day of the sun, the day of sun worship, Sunday. That was brought into the Christian church and made the day of worship for the Church of Rome. 16, pagan Mithraism, the Oriental sun worshipping cult, also advocated Sunday worship.
17, when Constantine, the Roman emperor, converted to Christianity, he allowed pagan practices to draw pagan worshippers into the Roman church. 18, Rome gave the official approval to Sunday and the first Sunday law was passed prohibiting work on that day of worship. 19, with Christians and pagans keeping the same day, pagans just joined the Roman church and continued on with their paganism. Well, heading number four is origin of the Sabbath. Join me halfway down page five. When did the Sabbath originate? Exodus 20, 11, Genesis 2, 1 to 3. I've already read these, but very quickly again. For in six days the Lord, what? There's our word, made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. He rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. He hallowed, he sanctified it, he made it holy. Genesis 2, 1 to 3, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. This happened at the end of the creation week. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he'd done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Verse 3 of Genesis 2, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, made it holy, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had, is our answer, created and made. Our question was, when did the Sabbath originate? The answer was at creation. Notice it was not given to the Jews, but given to Adam and Eve and mankind. Notice that even in the giving of the Ten Commandments, the origin of the Sabbath is clearly identified as in the Garden of Eden rather than at Mount Sinai. Just take a rest and have a look at the screen. I'm wondering if any of you here tonight are artists. Are there any people here who paint, who sing, who play, uh, who do watercolours? Friends, I want to tell you tonight, I believe God's an artist. This is a beautiful view of Mount Cook in the South Island of New Zealand. And this is Lake Matheson from the same continent. Friends, did you ever think that when God made the planet that maybe like an artist, he might like to put his name on it? So I've just put there at the bottom of this painting, or this photograph, Yahweh. But is that really a successful way of knowing that God's the creator? After creating the world, God could have written his name in the sky, but of course the clouds would have covered it. After creating the world, God could have written his name on a big mountain, but maybe the snow might have covered it. So after creating the world, God decided to write his name on something that couldn't be defaced or covered up. What was it? God wrote his name on time and he made the Sabbath so that all mankind could worship him as their creator. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, let me give you a little bit more. Jesus Christ said in Mark 14, 36, he said in praying to his father, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying that he doesn't have to go through to the cross. His human nature shrinks from the cross. He addresses the father as Abba. Some of you might know the name Abba is not the Swedish rock group, but Abba is an intimate name for God the Father. It actually means daddy. I'm suggesting here that God wrote his name on time and that the Sabbath is his sign or seal. Have a look on the screen. So after creating the world, God decided to write his name on time and he made the Sabbath, which has in the middle of it, Abba. The Sabbath is God writing his name on time. His name is right in the middle of the day of rest. So God made the Sabbath so that all mankind could worship him 
as their creator. Don't you think that's pretty cool? I think that's amazing. Halfway down page five, we're at question 10. With what word does God begin the Sabbath commandment in Exodus 20:11? He said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so that word remember is really important. God chose the word remember to begin the Sabbath commandment. The word remember denotes three possibilities. A, you cannot remember something you have never heard of before. Therefore, the origin of the Sabbath must be before Sinai and not at Sinai. And as we know, friends, it was from creation. B, the word remember signifies that a person should pay special attention. Remember is generally used to indicate things that are of special importance that people should not forget. God chose this word to introduce the Sabbath at Sinai. C, the word remember indicates that God looked down the stream of history and saw that this would be the one commandment that the world would forget. And so he tells us to remember it and not to forget this commandment. God knew that we would never forget the other commandments if we would remember the Sabbath because the Sabbath would help us to develop a relationship with God. We're over the top of page six. Amazingly, the one commandment that many would forget is the one that deals with time set aside to establish a what? A relationship with God. What three things did God do when he instituted the Sabbath at creation? We go back to Genesis 2, 2 and 3. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he'd done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he'd done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified because in it, he'd rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Friends, the Sabbath has a threefold blessing. It's the day he rested. It's the day he blessed. It's the day he sanctified and made holy. I want to ask you, is the first day of the week, was it ever the recipient of that threefold blessing by God? I think you know the answer. There can only ever be one seventh day Sabbath. God gave us an example by resting himself. He blessed this day as he blessed no other. He sanctified this day. The word sanctify means to set apart for holy usage. Notice that God did not bless the act of resting. He blessed a specific day. If the whole word rested on a day, it wouldn't make that day a Sabbath. What makes it the Sabbath is that God rested, blessed and sanctified it. People do not have the authority to change what God has sanctified. Some people feel that it makes no difference what day is kept as long as they keep one day and seven. But please remember that God blessed and sanctified only one specific day, and that is the seventh day. Remember what I said? Can you say it with me? It's the rest day, the blessed day, the test day, and therefore I can tell you it is the very best day. Well, friends, let me give you a little bit of extra. A lot of people say, look, I don't know about this Sabbath. You know, what's the difference between the Saturday worshipping God on Wednesday or Friday or Monday? And so we have seven glasses of water. They all look pretty much the same. But I want to tell you there's something special with the seventh one because it's got lemonade in it. That's an illustration of the Sabbath. David said in Psalm 34 verse 8, Oh, taste and see that what? The Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Friends, the Sabbath's a special day. It just looks like every other day. But when you start to have that 24-hour period off work, you have that time spiritually and with family, I want to tell you it is such an amazing blessing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
We're halfway down page six. Did the Sabbath exist before sin or only after sin? Friends, we've already looked at Exodus 20, 11 a number of times, the fourth commandment. We've already looked at Genesis 2, 2 and 3 about three times. So let's summarize. Genesis 2 is when we got the Sabbath, Genesis 2, 1 to 3, God gave the Sabbath to Adam and Eve. And Genesis 3 is where Eve sinned and Adam followed her into sin. So friends, did the Sabbath exist before sin or only after sin? I think the answer is pretty clear. The answer is it came in before sin. The Sabbath is a creation remembrance. The point is very clear in scripture, coming to us from the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve sinned. But on the cross, Jesus Christ dealt with sin. Since the Sabbath existed before sin, there's absolutely no way it could be altered by the cross. Have a look on the screen. The only thing done away with at the cross was the ceremonial law, the law of Moses, which we'll discuss in lesson 12. I've got a little extra for you. Friends, when was God's law pass away or when could God's law ever be changed? When's a covenant or an agreement between God and man? How long does it last? It's a good question, isn't it? I'd like you to get your pens and write this text into the margin. Write it into the margin uh, here next to 12 or 13. I want you to write in just Hebrews, H-E-B 9, 16 and 17. I'm going to share with you from the New Living Translation. Paul said, now if someone dies and leaves a will, a list of things to be given away to certain people when he dies. No one gets anything until it's proved that the person who wrote the will is dead. Verse 17. The will goes into effect only after the death of the person who wrote it. While he's still alive, no one can use it to get any of those things he's promised them. Friends, my point tonight is a legal one. Jesus Christ's last will and testament, which was the Ten Commandments, could not and could be never changed after he died. It was his last will and testament, and it's still in power, and it is still a regulation and a commandment today. And God asks us if we love him. John 14, 15, what did he say? Keep my commandments. Question 13, was the Sabbath given for the Jews only? I want you to look at the screen because I'm going to change the scripture. Mark 2, 27 and 28. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for the Jews and not the Jews for the Sabbath. I'm going to stop there, friends. Is that what Jesus said? Because people tell us the Sabbath is Jewish. It's just for the Jews. It's not for Christians. So let's go back and see what Jesus really said, because what I read to you was wrong. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man, a name for Jesus himself, is also Lord, he's the ruler, he's the boss of the Sabbath, so he knows who it was made for. The Sabbath was made for man. I once heard a beautiful explanation of this verse. The Sabbath was made for the first man and woman. The Sabbath was made for the last man and woman, and every man and woman and boy and girl in between. The Sabbath is a gift from heaven. It's a capsule in time. It was made for mankind. I'm going to read the note under 13. The Sabbath existed thousands of years before there was a Jew. It's true that the Jews kept it because they were the covenant people of God. But the Sabbath was made for the entire human race, and it was given to them in the innocence of the Garden of Eden. God does not intend to establish a relationship with Jewish people only. Every born-again person needs a relationship with God. 
To say the Sabbath belongs only to the Jews is virtually to say that God only wants to establish relationships with Jewish people. But God is not a respecter of persons. He wants to know everyone. Friends, for once and for all, I want to answer this question. This is not in the lesson. Was the Sabbath given to the Jews first? My answer is no. Why? Because in 4000 BC, in the Garden of Eden, the Sabbath was given in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, to the first man and the first woman. When did the first Jew turn up? Well, Abraham turns up in Genesis 11 and Genesis 18, 2000 years later in 2000 BC. And so friends, Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation, but the Sabbath was given to the first man and the first woman. Let us never believe the lie that the Sabbath is Jewish because it is not. Our final heading tonight is about the perpetuity of the Sabbath. That's just an old English word that means the eternal nature of the Sabbath, that it lasts for a long, long time. It's perpetual. Question 14, will the human race still keep the Sabbath in the new earth? We go to Isaiah 66, 22, 23. Very interesting text. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. He's speaking here about the new earth and heaven. It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one what? Sabbath to another. All flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Will the human race still keep the Sabbath in the new earth? From one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Friends, that is absolutely amazing, isn't it? So people have suggested that the Sabbath was in till the time of Jesus, Christians from other churches, the Sabbath's in till the cross. They then say that when Jesus died on the cross, the Sabbath was done away with. There's no Sabbath from there to the second coming. And then when Jesus comes from the second coming, the Bible says that the Sabbath will be kept in heaven. So my question to you tonight is, so the Sabbath's on before Jesus dies on the cross. Once he dies on the cross, it's off till the second coming. And then it's back on in heaven and the new earth. Hmm. It's on, it's off, it's on. What is it? A faulty light switch? I don't know, friends, that just doesn't seem like logic to me. In God's newly recreated earth after sin is removed, people will still be keeping holy God's sacred Sabbath. What a delight and what a joy it'll be for people to enter the Sabbath rest of God in the new earth, where they can get even better acquainted with God than they can here. This verse clearly indicates that our relationship with God will grow deeper in the new earth as we spend even more time together. Question 15, of what is the Sabbath a sign? Ezekiel 20 and verse 12. I covered this in the, uh, the previous chart. Remember, I talked about Ezekiel 20, 12. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. The Sabbath is a sign of sanctification. As we keep the Sabbath, God draws us closer to him and makes us holy. It's very, very powerful. It's a sign of sanctification. The Sabbath is God's great sign of sanctification. Sanctification just means to make us holy. Sanctification describes the process whereby God lives out his life in the believer, transforming the believer into the divine image. The sign that it is the Lord who is sanctifying is the sacred Sabbath. The keeping of the Sabbath indicates that a Christian is taking time to build a solid relationship with God, which is the basis of sanctification.
Question 16, what else is the Sabbath a sign in Ezekiel 20 and verse 20? He says, hallow or reverence or make holy my Sabbaths and they will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Friends, the Sabbath is a sign that God's people know him and he knows them. Just before we go to the note, I want to share with you God's shine of remembrance. Here is the Bible Sabbath from Eden to Eden. So Genesis 1 to 3, the Sabbath given to Adam and Eve. The second pillar, Exodus 28 to 11, is the Ten Commandments, the giving at Sinai. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, I don't think we'll cover that till lesson 27, but Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 tells us to keep the Sabbath holy and not to do any work on that day. Just try and stay away from business transactions. Ezekiel 20, 12 and 20 speaks. We just looked it up. It's the sign of sanctification. Matthew 24, 20 is an interesting verse because there Jesus says, pray that your flight may not be in the winter nor on the Sabbath day. And he's referring to when the Roman armies come and surround Jerusalem. So he's suggesting that in AD 70, when they'd still be keeping the Sabbath, so it wasn't cancelled when he died on the cross in AD 31, that in AD 70, that they would not have to flee in winter when it'll be snowing nor on the Sabbath day. Very important text. Mark 2, 27, 28, Jesus there says the Sabbath was made for man. Luke 4, 16, Jesus, uh, as his custom was, went in to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Luke 23, 56, the women who took his body from the cross and put it in the tomb and followed, they actually didn't even keep, uh, they didn't even anoint his body because they decided to keep the Sabbath. That's how important it was. Acts 16, 13, is a description of Paul keeping Sabbath by a river at Philippi with some Jews and Gentiles. In Isaiah 66, 23, we're told that the Sabbath will be kept in the new earth and will be kept in heaven. How clearly the scriptures bring out the special significance of God's Sabbath. It's a special sign that people know the Lord. It's a sign that people have a relationship with God. That's why the Sabbath is to the Christian become such a beautiful day of delight and joy in the Lord. The scriptures do not enjoin a legalistic keeping of the day, but rather the setting aside of this special day to build a relationship with God. That's why the Christian gets excited about the Sabbath and why the Sabbath is such a blessing in the midst of the troubles of this world. The Sabbath is a relief from the burdens of life, a time when God and his people can draw apart and develop an intimate relationship. Well, the troubles of the last days are going to be so great that unless people have a deep personal relationship with God, they will not make it through the end times. That's why the Sabbath is so important in these last days. Daniel warns against the power that would think to change the day that God has set aside for a relationship with him. If there ever was a time in Earth's history when people needed the Sabbath, it's today. Let us make certain that we use this special time to build a solid relationship with Jesus, that we might be prepared for the climactic scenes of Earth's history soon to take place everywhere. Friends, I just have a comment there. You know, psychologists say today that the pace of modern life is fraying our mental stability. There's mental illness, there's suicides. People are not taking a full 24 hour rest period and God said we were to work six days, but not seven. If you're doing 24-7, you're putting your mental and physical health at risk. I want to tell you the answer to that problem is God's seventh day Sabbath. Why don't you try it? It's absolutely fantastic. God bless you.
Well, we finished tonight on question 17. Do you desire to build a better relationship with God through regular Sabbath keeping? I put, yes, that's exactly what I want. I desire that. Thank you, God. Well, tonight we discovered what did the little horn power try and change? He tried to change God's times, the Sabbath, and God's laws. In the Ten Commandments, which commandments were the times? The fourth commandment is the only one, the only commandment which dealt with time, and he changed that from the seventh day to the first day of the week. Well, which laws were changed? Well, quite a few. The Ten Commandment law was changed by dropping Commandment 2 about images, completely gone. They cut down Commandment 4 from, I think, 92 words to 7 or 8. And Commandment 10 was split into two. I'd say that's a significant change of the law and of the laws. Which day is the seventh day Sabbath? We can be absolutely positive that today, Saturday, is still the seventh day. And finally, why is the fourth commandment so important? God said that by keeping this day, his people were sanctified and sealed. Friends, what is the sign of God's covenant that he is our God and we are his people? A very simple answer you should know from tonight's lesson is that it is the sign of the seventh day Sabbath, also known as the seal of God. Well, thank you so much for all those who are doing the quiz. I love to look at your answers when you send them in. I'm really excited, the kids who are still doing the quiz. We have three response questions tonight. And for those of you not doing the quiz, literally, then please, I ask you these questions to be answered in your heart. If it was clear to you that the biblical seventh day is Saturday and that it is the original Sabbath of God, would you put a tick in box number one or say yes to God in your heart? Number two, if it's your desire to deepen your relationship with God through daily Bible study, prayer and weekly Sabbath keeping, please put a tick in box number two or say yes to God in your heart. Number three, if you feel you're not quite ready to make a decision to begin keeping God's original Seventh-day Sabbath, but you'd like me to pray that God will help you to be ready to make a decision in the future, please place a tick in box number three or say yes to God in your heart. Well, friends, our quiz questions tonight are very straightforward. I don't want to give you any hints, but I think there's only one false. All right, let's go. How's that for a hint? Number one, God gave people the Sabbath to help them develop a better relationship with God. Would you put in there true or false? I don't think we need a lot of time to think about that one. Number two, the biblical Sabbath is the seventh day of the week, which we commonly call Saturday. True or false? Number three, the little horn power had the power, the authority, and the permission to change the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Did he have the power, true or false? Number four, the Sabbath originated at creation before sin entered the world. By the way, I better go back to question three in case anyone's confused. I read it again. The little, the little horn power not only had the power, but did he have the authority and the permission? He might have had the power to do it, but did he have God's authority and permission? That's what we're asking. Did he have the authority and permission, true or false? Number four, the Sabbath originated at creation before sin entered the world. True or false? The Sabbath originated at creation before sin entered the world. And number five, God says the Sabbath is a sign that God and his people have a relationship 
together. Question number one, the answer is true. The Sabbath's given to help our relationship with God. Number two, the answer is true. The biblical Sabbath is the seventh day of the week called Saturday. Number three is false. The little horn power might have thought he could do it, but he never had God's authority and permission to change one of God's commandments, let alone four of them. Number four, the Sabbath originated at creation. That's absolutely true. And number five, the answer is true. God says the Sabbath is a sign that God and his people have a relationship together. Friends, we've looked at Daniel 7.25 again tonight, how the little horn power changed the seventh day Sabbath. And I hope that's been a great blessing for you because a lot of people go, well, if the Bible is all about the seventh day Sabbath, why does everyone keep Sunday? And we've answered that question tonight. But next week in lesson number 12, we're actually going to go into much more detail. And we're going to have a look at the eight Sunday keeping texts in the New Testament and see if any of those are a command to keep the first day of the week holy. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, tonight you've answered many prayers and I thank you so much for the prayers of your people. Thank you for being a good God and giving us this sanctuary in time, this time capsule where we can enter into a 24 period, a 24 hour period with you, Lord, where we can just focus on you and also with friends and family and remember the God of heaven. I pray a blessing on everyone who will hear this message, that the Holy Spirit will fit this message to every heart and convict us of your truth as we continue to study your word is my prayer in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You've been listening to Prophecy Seminar, the book of Daniel with Pastor David Price. For more information about this series, you can visit the YouTube page, True Blue SDA, or one word. That's True Blue SDA. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.